Good morning. Jesus was and is the greatest teacher who ever lived. As Christians who put our trust in Jesus for our salvation, I hope we share this common belief. If we truly believe in the incarnation, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, then we must believe that He was the greatest teacher that ever lived, above all others, because He was God in the flesh. There are those who reject Jesus as even being a real person. Some claim that He was only a man and see His Bible accounts of his teachings as wise sayings, good philosophy, or good words to live by, but they don't see his teachings as having any valid or true spiritual meaning. So Jesus says of himself in John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now I've already covered a few of the teachings and parables of Jesus in previous sermons. I'd like to continue with more of the parables in the future, God willing. But before we go through any more of the parables, I wanted to cover what parables are, how they are used, and why Jesus used them. We find in the New Testament parables, were only recorded in the gospel accounts. We also find some used by the prophets of the Old Testament, but they were used in a different manner than how Jesus used them. Parables are simple terms to convey a profound truth. As C.H. Dodd stated, at its simplest, the parable is a metaphor or simile drawn from nature or common life arresting the hearer by its vividness and strangeness and leaving the mind in sufficient doubt about its precise application to tease it into active thought. In the accounts of Christ's teaching, parables were simple stories taken from the familiar world in which Jesus lived and were used to relate an unfamiliar spiritual truth. Common or everyday life examples were used to illustrate uncommon, profound, and spiritual concepts. It has been said that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly message. The parables were meant to provoke questions and cause the hearer to evaluate the saying and to see the spiritual value of the teaching. Even if one does not understand the parable at first, but is being convicted to explore its spiritual meaning, this can be an indication of the Holy Spirit working in them. Parables can be used to clarify the meaning of a teaching. The word comes from the Greek word parabole. And I do have to apologize for my Greek because I'm sure I'm not pronouncing things correctly. Um, but the para means something that functions alongside something else. And bole refers to something thrown or hurled. So a parable is thrown alongside a teaching 
in order to illustrate the meaning of what is being said. While the parables of Christ are not allegories in which every minor detail is symbolic of something else, they are brief, simple illustrations that usually address one problem or question with which our Lord was dealing with at that time. Parables usually drive home one main truth. While a few parables may convey multiple meanings, the majority have only one. This is why we need to be very careful not to use parables to support false ideas or to support a teaching or concept not intended. When we interject our own ideas into a parable or a scripture, we misrepresent the Word of God. There are many Bible verses in both the Old and New Testament where we are warned not to add to or take away from the commands of God. In Proverbs 30, verses 5-6, through Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words, lest He rebuke you and you be found a liar. We need to let the Bible interpret itself. A lot of what we call biblical teaching today is simply using the Scripture to prove a preconceived point that the teacher already has. As an example of a misrepresenting God, not in words, but in action, we see the example of Moses. Moses was not allowed to enter into the Promised Land because he misrepresented God one time by striking the rock twice because the striking of the rock was intended to be a visual lesson of Jesus being struck once for our sins, not twice or multiple times. When we look at the Gospels, we do not have so much the written record of his actual teachings, but what we do have is a record of many of his parables. These parables contained the essence of the spiritual context of his actual teachings, which would have come from the Old Testament Scripture and that which the Father gave him to reveal. These teachings elevated the law and Scripture from the physical to reveal the spiritual aspects of God's Word. Jesus employed the use of parables and stories to illustrate his teachings. When we watch shows and documentaries about the Gospels of Jesus, We often see him coming into a town and speaking a parable to a small group of people who gathered around to hear him. Then we see him coming across another situation and speaking another parable. But that's not the reality of what really happened. As a rabbi or teacher, Jesus would have taught in the synagogues, in the streets, or in the countryside. He would have taught wherever there were people who would come to listen to him speak. They didn't travel for hours to listen to him to speak a brief parable and then go home. In some accounts, Jesus would have taught for hours. The feeding of the 5,000 would be a good example because they were there so long they were afraid they would not make it back to town in time to purchase the evening meal. Jesus was a traveling teacher and taught his followers continually. As John stated in John 21, Now, there are also many things that Jesus did. Were every one of them written 
I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would have been written. Because he would often be speaking to a mixed audience of called and uncalled, the parables were used to either clarify the spiritual meaning of the teaching to those with open ears, or it would be used to hide the meaning to those whose ears were closed. So we'll take a look at a few verses about Jesus and his teachings. We'll start in Matthew 13, verse 34 and 35. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. By telling parables, Jesus was fulfilling the prophecy of Psalm 72 verses 2 and 3. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known. Fathers have told us. In Mark 4, verses 10 through 12, we read, But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they turn and their sins be forgiven them. As we see in Matthew 13 and Mark 4, sometimes the disciples were unable to, to understand what Jesus was saying in the parable. And they would ask him when they were alone to explain it to them. This is a good example for us even today. When we come to a biblical teaching we don't understand, we should ask God for the wisdom and discernment that we need. We need to seek clarification so that we don't develop wrong understandings of the Scripture or read something into it that it doesn't say. We should never make the Scripture say what we want it to say, but allow God to speak to us in truth. The passage in Mark 4 talks primarily of something previously unknown that God was now revealing to his followers. When he refers to those outside in verse 11, he's speaking to those who are not called whose hearts had been hardened by their own unbelief. So when he speaks in parables, what the unbeliever hears is a riddle or a good teaching. Because it is not given to them to understand, they cannot hear or understand the spiritual implication of the parable. This is still true today. Many read the Word of God, but what they take from it is twisted and sometimes in direct contradiction to what is being said. Charles Spurgeon said this, He stood in the midst of the scribes and Pharisees, publicans and sinners, and preached 
the glad tidings. His preaching was full of parables, plain to those who under, with understanding, but often dark and mysterious, even to his own followers. For it was a judgment from the Lord upon the evil generation, that seeing they should not see, and hearing they should not perceive. R.C. Sproul comments on the purpose of parables in the Gospels. He says, Jesus explained, For those who have ears to hear, the parable provides a deeper understanding of Jesus' teachings. But for those who don't have ears to hear, the parable is actually an instrument of concealment. The parable was not given simply to make everything clear to the people. It was also given to obscure the meaning to those who are outside, who are not given understanding. This sounds somewhat harsh, but Jesus came not only to instruct and to help people understand the kingdom of God, he came also as judgment, as a judgment on those who don't want to hear him. In the New Testament, Jesus' entrance into the world is referred to the Greek word krithos, referring to judgment. This is where we get the English word crisis. Jesus came preaching good news to some and bad news to others. He told us that he did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Matthew 10, starting in verse 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves the father and mother or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus was both a cornerstone for his church and a stone of stumbling to the unbeliever. He is salvation for those who love him and he is the reason for the condemnation of those who oppose him. So Jesus spoke in parables to clarify and teach those who are given ears to hear, those who are the elect, those whom the Father chose to give Jesus as his inheritance. But the parables are also used to conceal the teachings from the unbeliever. Parables are a way of speaking or teaching to hide the spiritual meaning from those who are not called, who are not given ears to hear. The parables reflect both salvation and judgment. Jesus was noted to having taught with an authority that no one had ever heard before. People were amazed and astonished at the power of his speech and the weightiness of his words. In Mark 1, verses 21 through 28, 
starting in verse 21. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For the authority he commands, even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. The people were astonished by his teachings because he taught with authority, not as the scribes and Pharisees, who would often simply read the scripture and gave commentaries on its meaning. But Jesus spoke as one having authority. Here in this account, the demons recognize him as the Holy One of God. He cast out demons, showing that he not only had authority over the scriptures, but over the demons as well. Not only did Jesus speak with authority, but he tied the scriptures to himself in his teachings. In John 12, verses 49 to 50. For I have not spoken on my, my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I say, what I should say, and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. He spoke as it was given to him by God the Father. It did not interpret the scriptures. He spoke with authority from scripture because he was God. He inspired the writings of the Old Testament. He was the author of the Old Testament and the laws. The laws show the very character of God, Jesus' own character. He spoke with authority because the scripture was all about him, through him, by him, and from him. None of the scribes and Pharisees could ever speak from Scripture with that type of authority. Jesus knew what was being said in the Scripture and how it would be fulfilled. He knew the end from the beginning. But he still put himself under the Father's authority, speaking only the things the Father gave him to speak. As we read in John 12, Jesus did not speak by his own authority, but the divine authority that was given to him by the Father. Even the contemporaries of Jesus' time recognized his unique teaching ability. In John 7, verse 46, it says, No man ever spoke like this man. Often the crowds would be astonished at the teachings because he did not teach as the scribes did. Matthew 7 verse 28 through 29. 
And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teachings. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Jesus taught in a unique way with authority. The Greek word for authority is exousia, where the prefix ex means from or out of. And ousia, the second part, is a present participle of the word to be and can be translated as being, essence, or substance. His teachings were not frivolous, but weighty in having substance. He spoke what the Father gave him to speak. He taught with the authority of God himself, as we read, as we already read in John 12. I have not spoken on my own authority, but I spoke, or I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Jesus was not the only one who used parables. The rabbis and Pharisees often used parables to explain the meaning of the law and the Old Testament teachings. But their use was to illustrate a teaching that was already been revealed. When Jesus used parables, he not only used them to illustrate a previous previous revelation, but he also used them to illustrate and introduce new revelation or a spiritual aspect of the Scripture. As mentioned earlier, Parables were also used in the Old Testament by the prophets. One example is found in 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 4, when the prophet Nathan confronted King David with his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. When the king heard the parable, he didn't understand it or he realized it was about him. He took it at face value and was angry with the man who took the sheep. He didn't realize that he was the man that was being revealed in the parable. Parables can also be used to conceal the meaning of what is being said. As Jesus said in Mark 4, verse 9, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When Jesus says, He who has ears to let him hear, he is not just asking people to just listen to what he is saying but he is asking them to understand and to embrace it, to take it to heart. What he is asking of us is to hear so well that we act on the teaching, which is another way of saying obey the teachings. The Greek word, another Greek word for obedience is hupeku. The second part of that is the word for hearing or listen. It is the root word for our English word acoustics. Obedience is a deliberate act of hearing or heeding. Heeding the instruction that the lesson or commandment was teaching. So as mentioned earlier, Jesus was often teaching to a mixed crowd. Those the Father had called and those who were not called. So the parables used were understood by some, but not by others, as we read in Mark 12. Man, in their fallen state, by nature, have no desire to hear and understand God's words. They want to hear about God, but they have no desire to heed his commandments 
or to see the value of his words, preferring their own wisdom over the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. We read in Isaiah 6, Because of the sins and unbelief of the people, God commanded Isaiah, starting in verse 9, And he said, Go and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. Although most were given over to their own desires, God did promise He would preserve a remnant. In the use of a parable to hide or obscure the meaning of teaching, we have to realize that this is not a deliberate act to prevent understanding or belief. Parables are used in a different to differentiate between those who have an honest desire to understand and those who do not. Verse 10 is not saying that if they were only able to hear and understand, they would repent and come to God. It's simply another way of saying that they were not meant or given the ability to understand because they were not called by the Father. God is not preventing anyone from hearing and understanding because we are already in a state of unbelief by our fallen nature. It is simply that he has not given them the ability to hear and is allowing them to remain in their unbelief, in their fallen state, according to their own desires. Proverbs 1 verse 7, A fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Psalms 111 verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts gain rich understanding. His praise endures forever. It is also not saying that if you don't understand a parable or a teaching, that your ears are necessarily closed. But if you have the desire to understand, ask God for understanding. Having the desire to understand shows a level of hearing that is beyond those who deny Christ and his teachings. Don't forget the disciples. The disciples were with Jesus for three and a half years, and yet they didn't fully understand what he was talking about. They had to ask him in private to explain it to them. They would ask him in private, and he would explain to them in private. It was not meant to be understood by everyone, but those with ears to hear, those to whom it was given. So just because we don't have a complete understanding or even of everything Jesus said doesn't mean our ears are closed. We are all at a different point in our spiritual walk and understanding. It is the Holy Spirit who is leading and teaching each of us in all knowledge and in all truth. He will reveal these things to us according to his good pleasure, according to his time and purpose. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In James 1, verse 5, 
If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and will give it to you. In the Gospels, there were two main types of parables. While parables can be broken down into different categories or subcategories, there are two main categories they fall into, and that is a parable of comparison and a parable of contrast. But parables are not allegories in the sense that they are not intended to be taken apart to find meaning in every individual element of the parable. They were given during a teaching during a teaching lesson to illustrate a particular point being made in that teaching. We cannot take a parable and try to use it to support some idea or concept that was not intended. We should never bring a meaning to a parable, but we are to take the intended meaning from the parable. It reminds me of, of music or poetry or art, where the artist is trying to portray a particular idea. And everybody that looks at the art or hears the music tries to imply their own meaning to it and take away their own ideas. They interject their own interpretation of what is being presented, just as people do with the Scripture. Parables are not subjective stories or illustrations, but they are to illustrate a specific concept. As I said, Jesus spoke only what the Father gave him to speak. So we need to receive his message only as the Father meant it to be taken. So as Christians, do we seek to eagerly read, to read and understand the parables of Jesus and all of God's word with a humble dependency on his grace and, with, and by the power of the Holy Spirit? Let's ask ourselves, am I embracing Christ as the ultimate good of the gospel? Am I open and eagerly accepting his teachings? Am I joyfully searching the scriptures and do I delight in his word? Am I really interested in the truth, not only about the truth? Do I have eyes that want to see and ears that want to hear. So let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for the teachings and the understanding that you give us. We ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear your words you speak. Lead us and teach us in all truth according to the, your will that we may glorify you. Amen.